0: Garrett is cbs's chief washington correspondent the takeout podcast is heard here on saturdays on wtmj and his book is the big truth you need to check it out you can find it on amazon or other places major thank you so much for being with us
1: great to be with you john how are you
0: excellent so i apologize yesterday you were scheduled and we and we asked you if we could move the segment because we had a police officer shot here and that leads me into what i wanted to ask you about the state of police-community relations, you and I have talked in the past, and you've spent a lot of time talking about the state of the relationships, and I know it's hard to generalize, but when you think mm-hmm. this, the, the, about the state of where things are in our nation when it comes to viewing of the police, what are some of the things that come to mind for you?
1: So as I understand it, the officer was Peter Jerving correct? That's correct, yep. My condolences to his family and everyone in the Milwaukee Police Department. Look, John, when I first started as a journalist for pay, meaning... I graduated from college, got my first job. Where was that? Amarillo, Texas. What did I do? I covered police in Amarillo, Texas. And I covered two instances where an officer was killed in the line of duty in Amarillo. And they were massive shocks to the community, massive shocks to the police department, everyone around, EMTs, everyone. Everyone feels it. Ripples and echoes for a very long time. It's a huge trauma. So I have some experience with what the community is going through. In Milwaukee and I feel for everyone involved and it underscores something that we have got to resolve in our country broadly which is two competing interests one is justice and the other is those with whom we empower to patrol our streets maintain public safety and work on behalf of that justice and we've learned in the last ten years maybe 15, through the technology of cell phones, that the application of that justice is sometimes uneven and violent in disproportionate ways affecting African Americans in our country. That's just a fact. It's been hard for this country to see that evidence over and over and over again, as we have with cell phone videos and now body cam videos. It's a very hard thing to deal with because we didn't assume that about ourselves. We didn't know that about ourselves. It's not an indictment on all of us, But it is a significant issue that makes trust and believability and effectiveness in those communities touched by this ever the more difficult. And yet, we also can't describe those who work in police and law enforcement, sheriffs or police, as uniformly unjust. They aren't. The vast history of our country is that they're not uniformly unjust. And they have a very hard job that is perilous in every single second. And you never know when something is going to turn dire or deadly. And that fine line it falls in a space of nuance. And if there's anything that our country right now is having a very hard time communicating about is subjects where nuance is involved. And the simple truth is those waiting for the federal government to resolve this are going to be disappointed. This is going to be resolved first and foremost at the local level, communities talking to each other and within conversations about these nuances face-to-face. Because I think Washington is stuck on this, can't get around the partisan angles, but local communities can. And I hope Milwaukee and every other community in our country wrestling with this can make some progress.
0: And that's exactly what Mayor Cavalier Johnson and the police chief, Jeffrey Norman, those, those are exactly the messages that came out as soon as this Situation was announced even before anyone was identified that was it was they were heartfelt expressions the police chief even said, my heart is heavy and his voice wavered yes this yes. so and, well, I'm and sure asking I'm sure it did yeah asking the communities to talk to each other work together that that is how we can put begin to put an end to violence like this
1: and 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 as I understand it I've done a teeny bit of reading on this I'm by no means an expert but the the suspect involved had just had some uh, misdemeanors adjudicated and could have been held but was given probation. That's a complicating factor, if that's the fact, and I don't want, I don't want to assume that I've got it all right. No, but that's, right. that's right. Um, that's going to aggravate those in the law enforcement community, like this was not necessary, this didn't have to happen. That's a part of this conversation. The idea that a cashless bail is... Pro or con, I know that was an issue in the Senate campaign in Wisconsin. It was an issue in other campaigns. Is that the right remedy? Is there something or has there been something historically unjust or disproportionate about people who are kept for pretrial detention? These are hard issues. They are not easily resolved. And the only way, I believe, to resolve them, I I don't have faith in Washington figuring this out. I just don't. And I really do believe the innovators, the solution drivers, the people who think creatively and compassionately about this are going to be found at the local level.
0: All right, Major, I want to switch gears. We've got two minutes with you, but I was fascinated. I was running errands this weekend. And here on WTMJ, I heard your conversation on the takeout with Lonnie Bunch, the Smithsonian's Mm -hmm. first African-American secretary. Absolutely. I I was riveted. I stayed in my car at the grocery store so I could hear the end of the conversation. What did you learn that interested you the most during that hour that you sat down with him?
1: So the Museum of African-American History and Culture is a massive museum. It's beautiful. It's remarkable. If you come to Washington to see it, here's what I learned. Smithsonian has a lot of great museums on the National Mall. Most Americans are familiar with them, at least in a general sense. Most Americans spend, when they come to Washington, 90 minutes in any of those museums except the history of African-American history and culture. They spend three and a half to four hours there. 30% of the people who come to that museum Museum of African-American History and Culture, have never been to a museum before in their lives anywhere. So this museum is a magnet about the American story. And as you heard me say to John, to John Lonnie Bunch, and I was trying to find the right words for it, and I sort of scrambled around for it, but I think I came up with something close. If you're an African-American in this country, you always have to understand white America. You just have to. If you're a white American, you don't always have to understand or hyper- prioritize understanding Black America. This museum is dedicated to the proposition that for white America to understand itself, it needs to know more about the experience of African Americans here. And Lonnie Bunch, as the founder of this museum, the creator of it, who spent 11 years of his life making sure it became a reality, said that's its entire purpose, to help both of us understand each other better because we have a shared history and a common destiny. So give me the quote
0: again, because I don't want to paraphrase it. You said something right. describing the museum and used light and dark.
1: Yes, I said the, the, the museum is simultaneously heavy and light. Yes. In, in, and you incredible. feel both. You feel both emotions and sentiments as you go through the museum. The great heaviness of slavery, of discrimination, of Jim Crow, and the great sense of love, accomplishment, lightness, culture, an accomplishment that grew out of it.
0: And I also learned what dwell time is. I'd never heard that term before.
1: <laughs> I hadn't either.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: how long people spent in the museum? Which oh, you okay. I was earlier. Like, oh, I
0: don't know what dwell time is. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. And and that's why at the museum, Lonnie has something that he never wanted to have, which is you have to have an electronic pass a QR code to get in. He never mm-hmm. wanted that. He wanted his people to walk up and go in, but they can't accommodate the crowds or the dwell time if they do it that way. It has to be scheduled. That's how popular and powerful it is.
0: That must make him feel wonderful, though, that people are that attracted to this museum.
1: So you've got to check it
0: out. Check out the podcast, the Takeout podcast, heard on WTMJ. It's this sort of conversation every single week. Major Garrett is the Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News. His book is The Big Truth. Major, thank you so much for always being so generous with us.
1: Thanks, John.